Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you Inky Savages are joining us for episode number 134, I lost count, four of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast. We are excited to be here today. We have a guest. His name is Neville, and I already forgot his last name because it, it... Medora. Medora. Neville Medora. Neville, ne- Neville Medora. And really cool guy, a lot of energy, great conversation on copywriting. You guys are going to love it. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to give you a shout out to my sponsors, Gold Spot Pens. Make sure you check out the affiliate link down below, and make sure you click on at checkout. Make sure you use coupon code Roy at checkout for additional savings on many of the products on the Gold Spot website, except for the brands that think too highly of themselves. And speaking of buying stuff. You guys need to check out the new Explorer Notebook from Endless Notebooks. So people were like, oh my gosh, Endless is changing their paper now. But it's still awesome. Now, the Endless Notebooks that are new are called the Explorer Notebooks. It's available in full grain leather and cactus leather. Yep. It's made. Without the needle. cactus needles, hopefully? Yeah, that You could have brought that in after I finished reading. Yep, it's made out of real uh. cactus. But yep, it is made out of real cactus. There is something for everyone to enjoy with three color options per leather type you are sure to find your next favorite travel companion to explore the world with so wait is that promising that if you get any one of the three colors you're going to find a companion that'll go with you on trips around the world so it's like that this would like be a, a nice extra bonus right is this like a dating service notebook right that's what it sounds like it does you know maybe bryce could use some help from neville with his copywriting abilities I, maybe maybe just a, right just a hair yeah especially with the sexy c's <laughs> comment from the from the last uh yes the sexy <laughs> c's yeah and also i want to tell you guys a quick story so i i have a new a new position you know within my job and it's a really awesome office that i'm working in and they had a coffee maker and they had just a whole bunch of coffee grinds some of them were as good, if not slightly less good than the bowl and basket coffee I used to drink. So what I did is I reached out to our good friend Neil over at brlcoffeeco.com and I asked him to send my office a two pound bag of Kiss of Life drip grimes. And let me tell you, I instantly became the most popular guy in the office. The most popular guy. Not like you weren't already? I, the most you know, popular guy in the office? And, and everybody, when they opened up the box with the mugs and the bag of coffee, they immediately were just in love with the smell. There are people in my office that never drink coffee black, that were able to drink the coffee black. They said it was so smooth, it was just so delicious that they're not going to drink that coffee with any kind of creamer and ruin the taste. That's how good coffee at brlcoffeeco.com is. So make sure you go to brlcoffeeco.com and be sure to use coupon code ROY at checkout for an additional savings on all products on the brlcoffeeco.com. And although we do think very highly of the coffee, he doesn't think too highly of him, you know, that he's he's not snooty, so he is going to allow discounts on all products. So please use coupon code ROY at checkout. On the brlcoffeeco.com website. That is the third sponsor, and we're going to move on to the episode. But before we get started with this week's episode of the Pentertainment Podcast, I want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words, both from Tom and I, mostly from me. So be forewarned. You have been warned. Now, on to the podcast. Mm-hmm. 
The Pet Boy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage Savage. All right, and we're live, and we are super excited. So while I was doing all my studying and all my work and stuff like that, being all busy, my good friend Tom was able to set up this excellent guest to join us today on the Penboy Roy Entertainment Podcast. I'm super excited. His name is really cool. It's Neville. And the reason why it's cool is because one of my favorite conductors in the world who's no longer with us, God bless his soul, Neville Mariner. He was an excellent conductor, conducted orchestras and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to geek out on some geeky stuff right now. But Tom, first of all, thank you for setting this up. And Neville, thank you so much for doing this. I feel hey, outclassed. Yeah, outclassed by – this is like a, a conference for like who has the best beard. I lose immediately. <laughs> I've immediately lost. You definitely use, and you got to get on some Propecia or something to start going out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'll do what they did in Jackass when they took all those pubes and like pasted it on, on, on that guy's face. Well, if Remember? you can't grow a beard, one would surmise that you can't. Never mind. Let's talk about pets. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I, can, I can do that. That's out of control, too. So we could talk about it. Listen, we, we, you know, we talk about everything on, uh, here on the Pentertainment Podcast. But before we talk about my pubes, <laughs> Neville. Can you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Because there, there may be a lot of us, our listeners who are not familiar with who you are, what you do, and how do you groom on a daily basis your fine beard? Please. <laughs> well, my, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. My name is Neville Medora. Uh, I run a company called Copywriting Course. I'm part of some other companies called uh, AppSumo and The Hustle. So basically, I'm mainly known for writing words, except not with a fountain pen necessarily, but with a keyboard. Uh, specifically email, so I'm part of a bunch of big newsletters, and we write stuff and send it out via email. And so um, I'm known as a copywriter. So copywriting is not uh, in the sense of law, but rather marketing. So basically the words on a page, so the words on an email, the words on a tweet, the words on social, the words on a sales page, the words on the back of a package that you bought. That's all copywriting. And so we help companies refine that so it sells better and make customers happy and everyone buys more. So you basically have a service where people who are less smart than you with words <laughs> ask you to make words and you've got good words. I, I, I think I got good words, but you got he's, good, he's got good some words. Good words sometimes, yeah. He's got some good words. Hopefully. Right? Thanks. Oh, man, I, I hope so. I mean, if, if it makes you feel better, I think every time you write something, you feel stupid because you look at it so much. You're like, ah, this sucks. <laughs> so when someone says it's good, I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I tricked him. Mm. So can you give us an example of what somebody would send to you and how you would manipulate it to make it better? Ah, good question. So the number one thing I like is cold emails because okay. cold emails uh, can result in millions of dollars of sales. For example, there's a fertilizer company that was consulting with me and they sell like 3 million pounds of fertilizer or something each time. I don't know about millions, but a lot of fertilizer, right? And so each one of these contracts is several hundred thousand dollars up to in the millions of dollars. And so they have people cold emailing different farms, different services that need all this stuff. And their, their email is long. It's like two pages long. It talks about their company. They're like, hey, we were founded in 1976 and da 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 And they just go on and on about the founder. And then somewhere towards the end, it kind of says, like, if you're sort of interested in fertilizer, maybe reach out to us. And so I come in and say, first of all, this is long and boring. Let's make it short and punchy and to the point. So I say, let's work backwards. What do you want them to do? And they say, we want them to call us on the phone and then we can talk about it. I'm like, all right. So you want them to either, you want them to physically call you on the phone, right? And they say, yes, we want them to call at this time. 
Got it. So I write that at the end and I say, hey, call me at 10 a.m. CST on this number and we'll talk fertilizer. And then I say, <laughs> hey, we can do 25% cheaper than your competitor Acme Fertilizer. Interested? Question mark. And then that, that end that I just said, call me at 10 a.m. Done. That's it. So we're just using, we're not trying to write a fancy essay and impress these people with our English skills. What we're trying to do is make a fertilizer sale and that sale happens over the phone. So mm -hmm. we're trying to just use this as a conduit to get to people to say, hey, tap you on the shoulder. Hey, are, are you interested in fertilizer? If not, uh, that's fine. And, and that's what we do. And so cold emails are my favorite because it's almost like almost a formulaic thing where you just shorten the email, get to the point and bold the, the thing we want them to do. And almost every time that increases conversions uh, pretty much without fail. Okay, so just for those of us who don't know what the term is, what is a cold email? A cold email is someone where I don't, let's say I don't know you and I'm trying to get you to take an action. So I'm saying, well, I have a copywriting service. I would like your people to sign up to my copywriting service. And I don't know you, so that's a cold email. Mm, now, if I it's see. a warm, a warm email means your mom emailed you. You know your mom, mm -hmm. but uh, but if you don't know someone, so me, I'll say, hey, can you do something for me? That's a cold email, and cold emails are the worst because do you like getting email from people you don't know and that are trying right. to sell you something? No, you generally do not like it. So copywriting can kind of switch that around to be like instead of just annoying them and begging them for business. What if we make this interesting for them, right? So there's a lot of different ways we can do to also do that. I'll get into it if you want, but. Yeah, that's, so that was something that, because I get warm emails from Neville once a week on a Friday, and mm -hmm. he's re I'm referring to his swipe, which was originally called the S-T-U-P-I-D email, but now it's called <laughs> S-W-I-P-E. Uh, I, I actually don't know the reason why it was changed. I guess because you wanted to change the content in it, but it, it's chocked full of, a lot of various insights that I'm, I actually personally will apply then to what I do in marketing and advertising for, uh, for gold spot is. So it's like, it's like, it, it kind of comes full circle when it's, I, I, I'm talking to basically one of my role models mm -hmm. right now of like, of like what I do, you know, oh, wow. for my professional life. So, you know, it's, it's real it, it is really a pleasure to like, hear you talk on about, uh, about marketing and, you know, copywriting and things like that so appreciate that and it was called the stupid email so you could say it because yeah because it's funny yes. people are like, i love your stupid email and someone's like what what his stupid email that's an insult it was it, it meant for it meant swipe thought uplifting picture interesting and drawing and now i changed it to the swipes email so i don't know if you noticed tom i actually changed swipes with the end oh, now I you're a little bit longer so it, it's it's a backronym I'm trying to find something uh, like like a fun name for it. And the original acronym I came up with kind of sounded like stupid. So I was like, well, that's kind of fun. <laughs> we, we, we started it like that and it started to grow. And so after a certain amount of time, I needed it to, uh, I, I always wanted it to change mm -hmm. a little bit just so people take it a little bit more seriously, although who cares about the name that much. But then one interesting thing was the reason I changed it to Swipes email, everyone called it that. So, so Tom, I know, I know it, it says like mm. stupid email in the subject line. It says that at the header. Everywhere it says stupid email. Every time I get a response, I'd say about 30% of people that reply to me call it the swipe email. I, I, I don't know why. And I always thought it's, like, uh, oh, I think it's probably because like the first, the first letter is swipe. So I'm guessing they're just going based on what's, what's the first piece of content in the newsletter. You know what? I, I, I feel really dumb right now. Because I never thought of that. <laughs> it's so stupid. 
This is, this is what I call being inside the box. Whenever you focus on your own content so much, I'm sure when you're writing an article, you're like, ah, how do I make it better? I can't. Then mm -hmm. someone could just look at it from the outside and be like, oh, yeah, just take that out. Add this. It's always more so, embarrassing when it's like a five-year-old yeah. or like your niece who comes up with stuff that you didn't or think Tom. of. Yeah. Or Tom. <laughs> it's even worse when it's – no, I'm kidding, Tom. I love you. I, but, I, I legitimately did not realize that. <laughs> so – Basically, cold email is, I guess, is that a term you coined or is that a term that's out no. there? That's been around for a long time. Even cold email has been around since the physical mail days. Oh, if okay. Just, I didn't uh, know that. Spamming someone's, someone's actual uh, mailbox. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's cold email. Yeah. So all those flyers you get, that's kind of cold mail. So it's a, it's a term that people in your industry created because junk mail sounds too harsh, I guess. Probably. You don't want to say you're sending out junk mail. Also, right. people do look at – so you can make good junk mail. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can spam an address and have really good results. Direct mail gets quite a bit of results. It's one of the little secrets right now that online advertising is so expensive and offline media is declining. Therefore, it's cheap at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so a lot, of, uh, a lot of real estate companies, et cetera, whenever they're trying to sell a house, let's say the commission on that house is – say 100000 to $300,000, it makes sense to blanket an entire zip code near that house uh, for $5,000 mm -hmm. to advertise that house. So um, offline mail is, is very good, and you can actually make good junk mail that people save. Mm. Let me ask you, these cold emails that you send out, because you send out, mm -hmm. how, many, how many would you say you send out? Just a rough guess. Well, in a week. we send out more warm emails via newsletters, far okay. more than cold emails. But we do help companies. So a lot of B two B companies, cold email is just the way it, it rules the land, right? Okay. They basically send out their feelers to all the people they think might be interested, and they get let's say one percent of those people responding, and then they get one percent of those people converting, and that's just how most of the world works. How do you get the email addresses to send? There's different brokers that people can go through, but I think the world has changed quite a bit. So in the past, you could go to different publications. So let's say you're in the fountain pen industry. There's probably some sort of publication, newsletter, or event that happens uh, with people who buy and sell fountain pens, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can get in front of them by being a sponsor, buying a booth at an event, that type of thing. Similarly with emails, if there's someone that has a big fountain pen newsletter or YouTube channel, you can pay them to be on their channel. So a lot of times they get email addresses like that. And I prefer it when a company will put out content themselves, much like you're doing. And then you have your own built-in audience that may one day want to buy from you rather than buying a collection of emails or contact information and uh, essentially spamming those people. I see. So, so we, far, we pro far prefer if you collect them yourselves because someone has opted in to hear from you. I see. So, so every email, I'll give you my email address for like two bucks. How's that? <laughs> That'd That's actually good. a really That'd high price. <laughs> really? Is it? Well, is it? You, you know, honestly, actually, n n not anymore. The, the CTAs, because of like the iOS 14 update that happened recently with uh, Apple, uh, they, they really shut down on like Facebook tracking. And Facebook is a big player in the kind of this, this game. And so it may cost between 8 to $20 to acquire an email, Ooh. and depending on the industry. Yeah. Look at you, right. Right? It could be cheaper. It could be cheaper. Uh, but but imagine like what you're doing with Facebook ads. Let's say you're trying to get, build a pen newsletter and you put out an ad and 100 people see it. Now, how many people actually click on the ad? Let's say 20%, for example. So that That's means 20 people click on that. That, that. that is high. Let's say 20 people click on it. And of that, 20% of those click on it. So they have five subscribers. And so you just take those numbers, divide them, and that's the, the call CT. I don't know what there's some acronym that stands for. And so uh, CTR, let's say that. 
And so that's how, that's how that is. So it might actually be quite expensive to get those leads. And if you're talking about like a lawyer, so like injury lawyers, those type of things, those people may be paying, I'd say not even $50, I'd say 80 to 200 bucks per lead, if not wow. online. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, so goes, I'll give you goes, my email address for six bucks. All right, still less exactly. <laughs> done. But more than in the, two in the SEO in the SEO industry, where basically like you rate rise to the ranks of the the, the search engine, be number one, and then there's ads. Mm -hmm. The joke was always mesothelioma. People, if you could get mesothelioma leads, those are the those are the tops. Those go for like two to four hundred bucks a piece. Wow, wow. that's a lot. Because these like Damn. these weird lawyers that do class action lawsuits, they uh, there's some shady stuff going on there. But essentially, that's why they uh, pay so much for those. So a so cold other, email is basically spamming. A warm email is someone you know. Is there such a thing as a hot email, or is that just like porn ooh, emails? Yeah, I've never, I've never heard that term. That's, <laughs> I think you just invented something. A hot email is if you you cold email them, but you're good looking. I get. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> so uh, entertainment podcast at gmail dot com, folks. <laughs> that is a hot uh, email. Uh, I guess a, I guess a, a hot. Well, it's funny behind the scenes. A lot of your email programs that where you manage all your emails. Um, I use a, a company called ConvertKit, but it'll show you kind of just who's opening them all the time. And there are people that open eighty percent plus of all your emails. Mm. So, Tom, if you open that email every Friday, you'd be a hot email to me. And I think I am. Opening it, I think yeah. I'm guilty of that. Very yeah, nice. That's great. And 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 I will say the reason that uh, that particular email has so many hot opens. Or, or people who open all the time is because it's actually giving them good stuff, right? Every time you open it, it delights you in some way. It teaches you something. You may laugh. You may get something out of it. And then if I if I try to sneak in like one section where I slyly promote something that I sell, you won't be pissed because you got five or six other sections of good stuff coming to you every week for free. So so that is essentially copywriting that I send out a lot of good stuff. So eventually I can uh, sell stuff and have uh, microphones to buy. Yeah. Nice, because I can tell based on your microphone, you look like you have a, a Shure. That's a Shure, right? Shure SMB70? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So his microphone is way more expensive than ours, Tom. How does that make it, you feel? Wait. I, I bought mine used on eBay, so I'm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? No, I don't think, it, I think, all, I think the software now corrects for uh, any microphone differences anymore. So actually, what I do sometimes is I. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're going to hate me now. Actually, I have another one right here. So oh. uh, what I do, what I do now, because I used uh, Descript and Riverside and stuff for recording, mm -hmm. I actually put it up like a shotgun mic. These are not shotgun mics by any means. Meaning, a shotgun mic you could uh, listen from afar. Right. And I use it like that. The sound comes out really crappy, and I apply the like the studio mode sound to it, and it sounds perfect. Yeah, it, mm. it just doesn't matter what kind of microphone you have nowadays with the software. Yeah, it's, I. I mean, this, it's a it's a great mic, but so th going back to what you were talking about with the fertilizer company. So, mm -hmm. do you come up with slogans or taglines? Because if you do, I have a great one for you for the fertilizer company. You ready for this? Oh, tell me. Let's talk shit. Call <laughs> whatever the phone number is. Right. That would come on. be pretty good. Right. Let's talk that shit. Be, that would. That would be pretty good. That would be pretty good. Yeah. See, that's admit, like that's like my most enjoyable aspect about doing any sort of writing and so is just that that like hook or that something where you could just throw in something that's going to really capture somebody's attention or maybe shake them up a little bit mm -hmm. just to engage with them. 
Yeah, I, you know, you know, I actually wouldn't use that as a tagline, but I would use that in a sales script. So, like, mm-hmm. when, a, when a sales guy gets on the phone, depending on the, uh, the vibe of that person, you could be like, hey, you want to know something funny? We're going to say, uh, let's talk shit. What do you think? And the guy laughs. You build rapport. That's probably where that actually comes across better. Uh-huh. Um, whereas let's talk shit in an email it might get filtered out because of some mm. weird company rules whatever all that kind of stuff so I, I would definitely use that maybe just not as the actual tagline of the company but that's right. pretty funny <laughs> so how how old are you neville 39 39 okay so you're relatively yeah. young <clears throat> how old were you relative when you to who you're not you're just like three years older what right yeah but i'm still in my 40s and he's still in his 30s <laughs> I, I i turned 40 in november so there's that you have until November to feel good about yourself. About that, about what time in November? November seventeenth. Oh, I'm thirtieth, so ah. we four O's as well. So, oh really? Oh, same yeah. time. Nice. Yeah, I heard it all falls apart. Then I hope not. Okay. Hey Tom, I I know you have a man crush on him. Can we hold off on the bromance so I can interview this guy? <laughs> he's jealous. He's jealous because I'm usually bromancing him during the podcast. <laughs> right. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Uh-oh. So. When did you like? How did you get into this business? How did you start this? How old were you? What yeah, what made to- you say I'm going to be a copywriter? Uh, well, here's the joke. Here's how you become a copywriter. You go on LinkedIn and update your profile. Say copywriter. Bam, done. <laughs> there, there's no there's no requirement. So uh, I wanted to be a doctor in high school because Indian, and I had this uh, program. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, this program in school, we, 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 I was just fortunate that I went to a, like, I don't know, this school had this great program where you leave every other day and shadow 10 different doctors over the course of two years. Mm-hmm. So every other day, I would, for three hours, I would leave school, drive to a doctor's office and shadow. And it was kind of hilarious because people thought sometimes I was a doctor, but I, looked, I was 17 and had a peach fuzz mustache. And so I would go here and... Um, and then in high school, uh, I quickly realized I didn't think I wanted to be a doctor. And the funny thing is, at all these, <laughs> you still laughing at that? Wow, yeah, I don't know. Just the... <laughs> and so, so all the, the funny thing is, I was also in this other class where I got Cisco certified, and we learned how to hack routers. And, and you remember, like twenty years ago, you know, internet used to kind of suck. Like mm-hmm. you had to log in, log off. There was always internet connectivity problems that just doesn't really exist as much anymore. And so I knew how to fix that at a router level. I was like professionally trained to do this. And so at all these hospitals, the internet would go down also. They, they weren't immune to it. And it's a, it's a huge problem when the internet goes down at a hospital. And I would be like, hey, I know how to fix the internet. Like it probably is just your router and you did it, blah, 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 whatever. And they'd be like, who, who are you again? Because I'm wearing scrubs. <laughs> I'm clearly like some kid in training. And I'm like, yeah, I'm with the, that program, but like I, I'm also in this other program. And so I would usually go fix their computers. That's what I ended up doing at these hospitals. And uh, from there, I was like, the internet was becoming a thing. And I wanted to, to start a business online. And so I started a rave company. I've never been to a rave in my life till this day. But I started a company where I drop shipped rave stuff, like light up stuff, glow stuff, things that light up, uh, little wedding uh, trinkets that, that turn and turn on light and things like that. And so I started that in high school. And I, I owned this company called houseofrave.com um, until 2011. And I was selling stuff. And I, through the course of the years, I started meeting all these other people with businesses. And they'd always tell me, Neville, you got to send out emails. You got to send out emails. And um, so I started sending out these newsletters uh, for House of Rave with big buttons. And it said, buy now. And I take all these photos. 
and uh, it sold nothing. Nothing. Mm. It, it never resulted in any money. Uh, it would result in maybe 40 bucks per email or something like that. Meanwhile, it cost me 80 bucks a month to host the email. So I was going negative on it. And then someone told me about copywriting. So I started reading about copywriting from a uh, copywriter named Gary Halbert, kind of an interesting character. Tom, you may have heard me talk about this guy before. But uh, he, he, was talk he was a old school copywriter from back in the day where they would essentially kind of spam people's mailboxes and get sales. Mm -hmm. And so from him, I started learning about this. And I was like, well, you could definitely apply this to the emails that I'm sending. So I tried that out. And almost overnight, House of Ray became an email marketing company more than anything. So I wrote a sales pitch for these little finger light things. And I thought that ravers that were 16 years old would go like this and just spin them around on the dance floor. Turns out, yeah, all these companies, th there was a plumbing company that bought 50 of them. And I was like, I called them to, to make sure it wasn't a fake order. I was like, why are you buying these? What, what's going on? They're like, oh, well, you know, like if you're a plumber, you have to go under a sink, right? And a lot of times you have a headlamp on your head, but you, you're actually reaching way back here for something under the sink and you can't see anything. And so they put these lights on their fingers while they're working. And I was like, what oh. the heck? I, I, I never in like a million years would have thought of that use for these things. And then the funny thing is also these finger lights, uh, a different company like MTV bought a bunch for like a space show and they made like laser guns out of them or you know something like they're like props. And then uh, I remember this one mom said her autistic child uses them to calm down. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, like, I in a million years would have never thought of any of these uses. So I wrote an email out showing, showing the, uh, the, the product, but then all the different uses for the product. So in the past, I was just like, here's finger lights, buy them. Well, that's not a good pitch. But I said, here's finger lights, it's Halloween, and these are great for lighting up pumpkins. You could also use them in your space costumes. You, uh, some people say it calms down their kids. Some kids check for uh, uh, monsters under their bed with them. Some people use it as a, as a cheap flashlight to go camping. It's disposable. They're so cheap. And so I started putting all those reasons to buy this. So it's, it's Halloween. You're going to buy these once, but you're going to use them a million times. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, that was like my highest revenue day ever. And I was like, whoa. That was, that was a very different approach. It's the same product. Nothing changed. All I did was literally change the words on this email. And oh. so that's when I started thinking, oh, oh, so it's not really modifying words. It's modifying the words that go into your brain and, and what they do to your brain. And so that's how I ended up getting into copywriting. Then my buddy started this company called AppSumo, and it was a big email marketing company. It's essentially Groupon for software deals, right? Mm -hmm. you know, Groupon sends out a deal, you buy it. It was essentially exactly that except for software. And he was sending out like grasshopper.com, buy now, that, that's it. And I was like, you should clearly apply this copywriting stuff to this. And so I so let me try this. So I tried it for him, his highest revenue day ever. So I became part of that company and uh, that became a, a much bigger thing. And I was writing all the emails for that. And people would say the same thing as you, Tom. It's like, I open up all the emails, but with that company, we were also trying to sell them every day with a new deal. And they would say, Neville, why am I reading all your emails? I know you're trying to sell me something. Why do I keep reading them? And I'm like, well, this thing called copywriting. And I would answer every person. And it just almost became a little annoying to answer every person on how to train them like this. So I created this thing called copywriting course, which turned to its own company. And here we are today. That was okay. a little bit long. Sorry. No, that was good. I, I, a lot of information there. First thing that jumped out at me was you first started off the whole conversation talking about a fertilizer company. Then you talked about a guy who bought your your little lights as uh, in high school for his plumbing business. So it seems as though like shit follows you around 
with every business, <laughs> right? Like something has to do with poop, right? With that. No, serious. In all seriousness, I'm oh, starting yeah, to understand. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. Like, does is there is there any aspect about your business that doesn't deal with poop? Uh, well, not this one, but I am sitting on a toilet right now. Okay. <laughs> I was sitting on a toilet before the show started. Okay, so I'm starting to understand what where uh, I was a little bit confused about what you did. When you say copywriting, you're not talking about like the patenting of of something. You're no. talking actually about writing copy. Yes. Correct. Okay. So essentially, you're a professional writer. That's really uh, yeah, yeah. But like, just, but like in a sense, so so like there's I would feel like there's writer with a capital W, which is kind of like your traditional writing, novel writing, essays, uh, you know, things that but but then copywriting, I kind of feel exists in a space where you're a business and you're trying to reach your audience and connect with them and transmit ideas on how they could how you guys could come together and meet in the middle. Right. Yeah, that's... I, I would say that I write with an intention of selling something eventually. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not writing the great American novel. I am writing, and a lot of it's just free giveaway stuff. But at the same time, I am trying to make a sale. That's there is awesome. a capitalistic slant to it. Right yes. now, real quick before I ask the next question, Tom, do me a favor. Just move about an inch over to your right so that you're more Sorry. centered. That's right. So when you, <laughs> a company comes to you or. Or a business comes to you, Neville, and says, oh, I need help with this copywriting. Now, you help them write the copy. They use that. And now their business goes up in sales 15%. How does the 15% increase benefit you? Or is it just they pay you for the writing of the copy? Well, uh, sometimes it doesn't. If they're just paying for like hourly consulting, then no, I don't get any of the upside. Uh, there are some companies I've invested in or become an advisor to. So I'm an advisor for a bunch of companies. So I'll either get equity or pay for equity in the company and then help them out as needed. So they're not paying me exactly for every like consulting session we do. But then if, the, if there's just some sort of liquidity event or something, I get to be part of that. Um, mm -hmm. So there is that. But if you just if you just charge, it's kind of it's kind of like an agency. If you if you have an agency that makes uh, just write writes blog posts for people, this is why I've never done that. You write blog posts for people all day, but then you have to keep getting that that business over and over. And if their blog posts end up bringing them in a bunch of customers, you see none of that upside. Mm -hmm. So so we actually have a community of people. So it's like a it's like a course with, with videos of me talking and showing you how to do better. But then you actually will write stuff inside, and people will critique it. Mm -hmm. And so that is you, mostly how we make money. We have just a big community of people, uh, so, writers and people trying to get better at writing. Okay, so you just said something interesting. You said most of your money is made through this community. So basically buy into this membership, for lack of a better term, and everybody just pretty practices. Much, yeah. They just pretty much practice writing stuff and they critique each other until they get to a point where they're fluent at enough where they can effectively use it for making sales, correct? Yeah. It seems like, especially after 2020, I've noticed uh, uh, like uh, everyone started going into digital sales quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was a little, uh, not ahead of the game, but I was on the bandwagon pretty early. And one cool thing is, so let's say you sell a $100 pen. Well, you have to have this pen in stock. So you have to pay, let's say, 50 bucks for it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you keep that spread. You keep the other 50 bucks. But then something happens and shipping, it gets denied, it comes back to you. Now you have to handle all that crap, right? With the digital course, let's say you were selling a course on how to build pens or how to use a pen, and it costs 100 bucks. You deliver it to me via video or PDF or web. It doesn't matter. What's the cost of that? 
uh, essentially nothing. Essentially nothing, right? Uh, bandwidth, bits, and bytes are almost free in today's world. They cost nothing. So maybe for that 100 bucks, the biggest fee that I might have is actually the transaction fee on the credit card or PayPal, that 3%. Mm -hmm. Delivering it to you would be marginally nothing. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the margin on these digital products is quite high. And uh, so the, the, the course industry, a lot of people have moved to that. And so when you ask if it's a subscription, you're absolutely right. Because what happens with course creators such as myself is you'll build one course and be like, wow, this is great. I made a bunch of money and I don't have to pay out anything else, right? This is fantastic. So then what do you do? You naturally launch another one and then another one and then another one. Then you got six of them. And then people are like, wait, what do I buy from you? I don't know. So then you start bundling. So people go into the bundling phase. And then eventually everyone in the world likes recurring revenue. That's the favorite. That's the gold standard for most people where it's like every month you pay me. So your insurance premiums, every month you're paying or every six months or every year, it's basically over and over and over without you thinking. That's the ultimate goal uh, because it's just slow and steady and keeps on coming. And you don't really have to do much to get new business with a recurring customer. They just renew. And so we do have a subscription wow. where people stay on for about a year at a time. Yeah. That's actually brilliant. So basically, you're actually the, the mind behind this whole company. And what you've essentially did is you created a community that people buy into. And that's how mm -hmm. you make most of your money. And mm -hmm. most of the critique comes from the very people that are buying into the community. Uh, we do find some of the writers from within the community. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. so a lot, it, it's almost like a, how does it explain it? It's like a forum. It's, it's basically for uh, forum software modified. And the reason we never went with something like Facebook groups is because you can't post a lot of text with images embedded in it and in tables. You just can't, you, you literally can't do that in, in the comments there. And so we have a forum software where you can post something and people will just punch it up and go through it. And sometimes even like just remake a video of them redoing it. And so, yeah, that's, that's where people come to uh, learn copy, get critiqued. I think it's the number one way. Watching me say something to teach copy will teach you somewhat of the way, but then you doing it and getting critiqued and getting better is the, the best way. Well, my question is this. So how much of like Tom, let's say Tom buys this membership to be into this community. Mm -hmm. How much of the learning of the student, I'm just going to call them students, how much of the learning comes from you as the leader or the instructor versus how much learning is coming from just being in within the community? It depends on the person. It massively varies, but I'd say about 60% of the learning is just taught through videos watching me. Right. Okay. And then some people will say, I wrote a blog post. What do you think? People don't like it. What's going on? And so we also do this thing every Thursday called office hours where we, everyone hops on a call and asks questions. So we'll do like eight to 10 questions each time. And, and I'll look through the blog post and be like, well, well, the re you're just talking about yourself the whole time in this blog post. There's nothing in it for the reader. Mm -hmm. And then we go through and I say, this is what I would do. I add these bullet points here. And we just kind of restructure it and say, that would make a much better blog post. Then they can oh. put that out on social okay, media so you're and all that kind of stuff. So you're not absent in the community. You're not just exclusively doing these lessons no, via video no, no. and leaving there. You actually engage weekly with the community that are paying to, to be part of oh, the critique, yeah. which leads me to my next question. With a community as large as the one that you have and people are buying in and stuff like that, how do you mitigate situations where somebody, person A submits a, a copy and mm -hmm. asks for critique, person B comes along and 
critiques it, but gives really bad critique or critique that you, in your mind and your knowledge of theory, saying this is not good information. How do you how do you balance this? Well, so person A would post, person B would post their bad critique, uh, you know, whatever bad means. And then I would say, or me or one of the writers would be like, actually, I think we usually we see it like this. But, but, but that usually doesn't happen. And here's why. So let's say you post a bad blog post. Almost anyone's critique is quite valuable, actually. And it's reason, because like, like we talked about in the beginning, the inside the box thing, if you're working on a blog post about the top 10 best pens, and you've been working on it for three days now, and it's a lot of, a lot of work. You're so like just used to that topic that yeah, it, it's hard to get like, look at it with fresh eyes. And so someone coming in could be like, hey, I just didn't, I didn't even understand what this, what this post was about. And, and so that's valuable feedback because you're like, oh, I didn't title it correctly or something, right? Mm -hmm. I, I may have to put just big letters that these are my top 10 favorite pens from Roy or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so, so that is usually valuable uh, feedback. So usually people don't really give bad advice. They don't just like come in there and start giving advice. They just say, hey, here's what I thought, or I didn't understand this part, or these are just too long, I'm bored. Mm -hmm. They'll give that kind of critique for the most part. So for the most part, they actually give uh, really good feedback. But if it was some sort of bad advice, like saying, like, make a cold email 10 pages long, I'd probably come in and say, hey, you know, actually, in my opinion, it should probably be like three lines. Right. So you do play referee for most of the, like, yeah. you, you get in there, you play referee. But considering that you're only one man, how much refereeing or mediating are you capable of doing? Well, I'm in there, but there's also writers. There are, there are staff writers on there. Yeah. Okay, so there's you have staff. How many, how many members yeah. is your staff? Uh, probably seven people or so. Okay. And you yeah, think what is, this, I, mean, uh, I, I think I could run a big, sorry, go ahead, Tom. I was going to ask, um, what is like one of the most like thorniest or the, one of the most difficult problems usually presented uh, in like one of those critique type me meetings? Like, yeah, what, I, like... I, I could answer that immediately. And it's, it's okay. the people that sell supplements and weird health stuff. And oh. so in the, in, in the copywriting industry, it, it, a lot of times there is money to be made in these supplement companies because supplements are, uh, you can basically say whatever you want and claim whatever you want and there's no regulation and uh, the shit doesn't work. So like, mm. like none of it works uh, for the most part, none of it works. And so uh, what happens is you get all these people trying to write these like weird affiliate offers and stuff. So we kind of actively weed those people out, but every once in a while you got someone that kind of slips in and they're like, Hey, I got this uh, this weird potion, and it, it's supposed to help your liver, and blah blah blah. And and, <laughs> and uh, all the writers have a full license to just like flag that post and not show it, and just not answer it. And I'll usually kind of message them. We have like, just like a automated things. It's like, hey, just FYI, we're not going to work on health stuff like this. Like we're not we're not going to help you make claims that just are not true. So uh, that's the main thing. But other than that, we almost always get pretty good stuff. It's pretty interesting. Um, how thoroughly it's a community so it weeds everyone out yeah it's not how free. thoroughly do you vet these people because i mean isn't there aren't you running the risk by by people flagging them and getting them kicked off or blocked or whatever the word we're supposed to be using is cuz i know people get sensitive i don't mean blocked i meant like flagged okay let's say flagged yeah. <laughs> isn't there the running the risk of what if a guy really does have like a protein powder that is more effective than whey protein. Like for example, pea protein is definitely more efficient at muscle mm -hmm. building than whey protein and keeps you slimmer, doesn't make you get bloat and stuff like that. 
that's valid information. Pea protein mm-hmm. has a, is a science that's been studied. Tastes like mm-hmm. a puddle of piss and and rainwater, but it actually works, <laughs> right? Now, given that information, being that you're so used to so many different protein powder companies coming along, you kick them all out. Aren't you running the risk of kicking out that one guy who had something valid to say? How do you protect that from happening? We 100% do health products if it has some sort of like backing. And you can almost always tell right away the difference between someone running some legitimate pea powder protein type thing versus the guy that's like, this is a, this, I'm selling shark fins that cure (laughs) Shark fins do cure fins. I ate a shark last week. (laughs) Yeah, it's usually pretty cut and clear. And and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, Mm. Like it's very dramatic. There are, there are health companies. There are supplements. I'm not against like all supplements or anything. I take protein powder myself. But, uh, but one of the things is you can instantly tell when someone's running some real snake oil stuff. Okay. It is abundantly obvious, and it's not hard at all. It's do they, obvious, do they yeah. always, for the most part, know that they're selling you, trying to sell crap? Or could it be someone who's just not educated and they're just trying to get into the business? There are some people that are not educated or they get fooled by other things. They're like, uh, I've, I've had people come on office hours. It's not common, but every once in a while you'll get someone and they'll be like, yeah, I have a bunch of employees and, and, and I'm like, really, what are you selling? And it's essentially an MLM type thing. They're like, how do I do this? And I, and, and I feel like I'm paid to tell them the truth. And What's so an I MLM? I'm uh, multi-level marketing where it's just like they sell some weird product, but you get more money to recruit someone else. So uh, if you type in mm. John Oliver L- MLM, he did this fantastic piece of journalism. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. On the, yeah, Dude, I, I mean, uh, one of the best pieces of journalism I've ever seen because I think it's truly <laughs> helpful to a ton of people. Also, it was pretty funny. So uh, a double whammy, right? It was great. And basically, some people will get sucked in these multi-level marketing schemes where they're trying to sell a product. And they come to us to say, hey, how do we make more people buy this? And I have to break the news to them. And I'm like, hey, man, this is a MLM a pyramid scheme mm. it is a scam the people at the top are going to tell you in a specific way that you're going to get rich or whatever they act rich and they drive a mercedes and they're going to try to get you into this and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and um and they can either believe me or not i try my best uh, to be blunt about it um but it occasionally we'll get those people and just remember when when it comes to like canceling censored or whatever um, my community is a dictatorship. I am the dictator, and you're very aware. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this isn't some free speech thing. This is a this is a capitalistic enterprise uh, run by me. And if I want to kick you out, I will. So normally people are really good. It's very rare. If we ever kick someone out, it's usually because they're a little kooky. I mean, that's the main reason. Like they're they're almost overly enthusiastic. I think it's like they're energetic and not smart. And, and, and I mean it in like a yeah, and I mean it in like a sad. Those are annoying it's like people. A sad thing, yeah, and they're just overly smart, and, <laughs> sorry, not smart, and yeah, right. It's like a That's bird trying like, to fly into a glass door and just not getting it that it's not a it's not air. It's just well, you could say right, it. Right. Glass door. You could say it, Tom. He's describing me without realizing it. <laughs> yeah so those are the people we generally kick out usually per- people are pretty okay with the health thing because i'm mm-hmm. saying hey man this is a little crazy and they go yeah i understand they almost always are, are what me. what kind of supplements without naming names or causing harm to anybody what kind of supplements would you say <laughs> that you've seen that you is just a complete and total red flag in like a real situation where you're like hey this is this is we can't deal with this 
Well, I think I think so. So what happens is I've seen a lot of people in the copywriting industry. Uh, that, that what they'll do is they'll say there was this random study in 1972 with like eight subjects, which is just way too low. And it said it's it, these people had better livers 20 years later or something like that. <laughs> and when they say better liver, it means they reported on some test 2% better function. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, look, man, this is there's way too many factors, okay, to, to tell that like this specific supplement did that. And what they'll say is like promotes liver function. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll say things like that that are real vague, like promotes a study show that promotes liver function. And I've always felt a little sketchy about that, that I'm like, you know, this isn't the stuff I want to put out into the world. And mm. also, like I said, Indians, so doctors, so half my friends are doctors, <laughs> and, they, and they have a term for it. They call it a lot of patients have million dollar P. Million and dollar what, P. Million dollar P. Million dollar P. And what that means is they're taking all these supplements and it all just gets uh. pissed right out. <laughs> well, that's, you know what? That's for the most part what happens. Yeah. That's no different than saying that this promotes healthy urine, right? This can of yeah, seltzer. Mean, you, you, which... you, can promote, you can say anything and, uh, and get away with it, but that doesn't mean uh, I have to help you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I respect yeah. that. I like that a lot. What kind yeah, of protein do you there's take? Like a difference. There's like a difference between like there's good copywriting that is able to like link up you know, somebody who's trying to sell something with that proposed person that will actually like the something and, and get some good use out of it versus mm-hmm. like somebody who's just trying to, you know, let's say, let's say play with the facts and figures to make something look a lot better than it actually is. And then swindle somebody into buying into right. it. I'd say the best way is like a software program because software is binary. It either does the thing or doesn't like you can just show it to them, right? You don't have mm-hmm. to do anything. So sometimes people will promote their software and you're like, what does it do? And I'm like, why don't you just show a GIF of it working, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with a little headline that says it turns this into videos, whatever. Just something like that is, is often what we're doing. So mm-hmm. trying to just like promote like a weird supplement, uh, it, it doesn't always feel right. I hear you. What kind of protein do you take? Just normal whey protein. I don't know anything about it, but okay. well, you I should think it makes look me more into, jacked, I guess. You should, you should really look into what whey protein actually is designed to do. Whey protein is actually in, designed to intentionally increase your insulin because there's belief out there that when your insulin is spiked, your cells absorb more protein, which helps you grow muscle. The problem is with mm. in, elevated insulin, you have a higher propensity of developing higher levels of inflammation, bloating, and having elevated insulin for too long is never actually, I don't take any supplements. That's, I know, I know it's surprising. I know with this temple of a, <laughs> of a, you know, this, a, but I don't take any supplements. I just eat, I eat food and stuff like that. I don't do creatine. I don't do any powders and stuff like that. I think what you said is on point. Most of that stuff is nonsense. And the stuff that isn't nonsense is stuff like pea protein, but I won't, I wouldn't touch it with your dick. Are That's you invested in tastes. a protein company? What's going on? No, here? <laughs> no. Uh, I was just saying you're, it you're tastes like so bad. Like, uh, buy, uh, buy pea <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pea, I'll be right back. You guys. Oh, no. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah really pee. Yeah. Yeah. I really, do. yeah. So hang out. This is rollerball. He's, he's got that. Uh, he's got that fish tank in the background, and all that dribbling noise is probably uh, making him. No, well, it's his, also the. It's the seltzer. It's ah, the. It's yeah. it's the seltzer. He's, seltzer uh, does make you pee more, I think. I, yeah, I, and, I don't know if it's proven. It just anecdotally, I'm like, I'll drink a seltzer, and I'm like, yeah, I gotta pee. Nah, well, I just I just have water. Usually, I have coffee, sometimes a beer, but 
today it's just water. But uh, oh, I think I'm doing another podcast where the guy wanted we're drinking wine or something like that. So oh, like was it like br- wine part of the podcast or was it just? I think just that's like the deal. It's like some marketing podcast, but you drink wine during it. So I'm like, okay, that sounds okay. It's kind of like the uh, the nope. was it the hot ones with the chicken wing eating, where it's just like they oh, eat the yeah. chicken wings and and like they talk about all this stuff going on or whatever. But there's a, there's a great podcast I like by comedian Mark Norman and Sam Morrill called We Might Be Drunk, and they drink during it. And you can kind of <laughs> tell like they get they don't get like hosed or anything, but they're getting a little soft towards the end. It's pretty fun. <laughs> it's good stuff. I, I do agree with you. I think seltzer water does make you pee a lot quicker for some reason. You <laughs> I know, think but so. I, I, maybe it has salt or I don't know. I'm in no way affiliated with Polar Seltzer Water, but this is fantastic seltzer but water. But if they want to sponsor at... the podcast, they can. <laughs> you, ever, you ever see this stuff, Topo Chico? No. What is that? It, it's really popular here in Texas. Um, it's just it's just a sparkling water brand from Mexico, I guess. But oh. it's got really really intense bubbles. I don't know how to explain it. It's very mm. bubbly. Like if you tried to chug it, it would just it would blow up in your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you Whereas crack open like another a, one and show like us? Like a Lacroix, I could probably uh, I could probably chug a Lacroix in like two three sips. Mm-hmm. This it, it's like impossible. It's got big bubbles. I don't get it. I love I love seltzer water when it's ice cold and then you chug a whole can within five seconds and then you can literally burp out like the German <laughs> alphabet, the entire alphabet, right? Like with no problem. And I say German because you got to totally use that, gotta, right? So I mean, so this is really interesting because I've never actually heard the term copywriter outside mm-hmm. of what I'm used to hearing it as. Meaning, like my entertainment podcast, I want to get that copyrighted so that no one else can use the name. Mm-hmm. So for me, hearing about copywriting in the sense that you do your business is, is really interesting. I don't think I've actually ever heard of it. I think yeah, that – Yeah, I mean, well, you and all my family friends have still no idea what I do. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I have a – I ha- certainly have a better idea now. But it's, it's really – from what I'm gathering, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's really just helping somebody who, who wrote something out get to the yeah. point it's really just cutting trimming all the fat and I, helping the, them get to the the way i view it is transmitting information from my head into your head right so for example if you take your phone and you download an app on it let's say uh, facebook you download facebook on it and you open it up it now knows how to run and interact with facebook so it just learned something that machine just learned something new that it couldn't do two seconds ago similarly i am trying to transfer a thought process into your head or into your head and Tom's head or into your head, your Tom's head and all the audience that's listening. Right. And so what is the best mechanism to get that thought in their head? Now, there are multiple ways to do this. We could do it through audio. Humans are you know, used to listening with our ears. I could do it through visuals. I could do it through a picture. I could do it through a video, which is pictures and audio and text and all that kind of stuff. In the near future, we'll be able to do some sort of VR experience. That's what I view copywriting as, trying to install information into your head. And whatever the medium is, is irrelevant to me. I mean, there are some better ones than others. But for the, for the last 400, 500 years, it has been text for the most part. Mm-hmm. That is how you disseminated information to a large amount of people in the year 1700. It was text. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. It was very That's difficult to mass create images. It was impossible to recreate video. And so, therefore, text has been the predominant method. In the last few years, like the last 10 years, 
we do have phones that are capable of essentially every single type of medium. And so I think the, the copyright has become even more important because you now put, can potentially reach all these people in the world through a combination of video, podcast, text, or all of the above. It, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's a whole new world for that. That is, that is very interesting. Now, I got to ask Tom a question because Tom has been gushing about you almost <laughs> similar, similarly how I gush about Elizabeth Olsen in a little bit different way. Maybe similar. But Tom... Being that you are invested in the copyright experience that Neville provides, how have you been able to utilize what he teaches, the community that he gives, gives you access to? How were you able to utilize that and have you utilized that with the emails that are sent out to, that I receive from Goldspot? How have you used it for Goldspot? Uh, okay, that's, that's a fair question. And just full transparency, I actually don't. Uh, I, I don't uh, financially I don't financially invest myself in Neville's yeah, the oh, community or anything wow. like that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm Whoa. sorry. I just haven't Gee. I haven't gone and taken that dive yet. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so I'm so I'm, I'm I'm freeloading right now. I'm just uh, I'm freeloading through the, uh, the the free content that's out there. But the free content is just so wonderful that I've been able to benefit uh, greatly from that as well. Um, it, just being able to take like the tidbits, like the uh, uh, Neville will share a picture or like some, some interesting thoughts or, or some concepts that were in a book somewhere that he read that relates to uh, either sales or marketing. And it just will make me take a step back and say, hey, oh, you know what? I, that is a really good point. Maybe I should put like my my leading uh, offer like right at the top, like uh, thinking about where things are above the fold or just, you know, get rid of the text entirely. And if this is like an item that needs to be seen in a functional way, just put like a GIF or just a link to a YouTube video. So mm -hmm. so really just being able to, you know, get like an idea of not just how to write, but how to accurately portray something and and get it out there so that people engage with it and it's really hard these days to get people to uh really get excited or engage things because it's just there's just a glut of information out there so you really have to be exceptional to get somebody's attention and to retain it so how long have you been following and you know utilizing neville's material free or <laughs> otherwise uh I, I think I first started uh, following, like, I think back when you, like, broke away from Sumo, I think. So uh -huh. it's, been, it's been a while. So, so, for, <laughs> so for everybody listening or watching, when, what time frame are we talking about? He, we don't know when he broke oh. away from Sumo. Well, I'm still part of the company, but I did, like, do the copywriting course became its own thing. That was probably 2013, 15 time frame, something like that. Okay, so so almost ten years. Let's just say nine years. You've been following Neville and utilizing. I know where you're going with this. Where have you seen a distinct change in terms of productivity, from comparatively from before and after? And if so, was it like a dramatic, sudden, like overnight change, or was it a gradual change? How much do you attribute your success at Goldspot with the influence that Neville had on you? Oh, I have to give him hundred percent credit. No, I'm just kidding. I just there's 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 a like I said, it's just it's it's very not enough to very... pay for it. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> now you're gonna guilt me into using the service now. But you know, it's just 
it's uh it's more about like it's more about like little like tidbits that incrementally improve you over time and just allow and i think it also like humbles you too it makes you take a step back from your own, from your own work and just say like well what you're doing could always use some improvement you know and then here's mm. and here's maybe something you might be able to try and implement and especially with the shifting dynamic of how social media is working right now how you know email marketing has been pretty strong uh as as a as a selling tool for you know despite the fact that other things have come up like social media and and mobile use uh, entirely but like it still is email marketing still is pretty strong but you have to be able to pivot like we've seen in with the pandemic it's like all of a sudden teachers had to go online and learn how to teach a class like using cameras and uh, sound equipment so it's like all of a sudden if like email and and that sort of marketing dynamic dies out one day like you have to be ready to go on everything else and understand the principles and like the various things that you can do to really punch up your selling offer or your marketing aspects in those other areas i think that you said two things that i thought was very critical and i think speaks accolades 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 says good shit about both of you guys one <laughs> yes. one that neville your material is good enough to break past a person's own resistance to self-criticism and accepting self-criticism and two tom you being open to your own self-criticism that's not easy on both aspects being able to put out material that will make someone self-criticize and having a person that's able to self-criticize. I don't know what that's like because I'm perfect. So I don't have to do any of those things. <laughs> but, but I think that that's, I think the marriage of what he offers and how you're willing to accept it is a great thing. And I think that just speaks to why, Neville, your company is successful. You're offering something that can break the boundary of somebody's inability to self-criticize and people are paying to get into it so that they can receive it. So. It's almost like we said earlier, your clientele in your forums or in your classes, by the, ver by the very fact that they're paying, they're simply vetting themselves. So if they're not willing to pay, maybe it's because they're not good at accepting self-criticism. So it looks mm, like... Well, there's, there's a bunch of reasons why someone wouldn't pay, right? I've had so many people say they've followed me for 10 years and they finally bought something. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, also the free material is good. I mean, you can learn a lot from free material. So think about it. Where did I learn copywriting from? From a lot of free sources, right? Mm -hmm. If you're resourceful, you can learn anything in this world for free. Now, some people want, uh, some people, uh, some companies will say, well, we have this secretary and she's selling really bad emails. Just send her through this course. So she, and she picks up a couple things. She'll watch a few videos and go, oh, pff, that's why they're so bad. I should just change them like this. Bam. She got what she needed and she's out. There are some people that are in and out just like that. That's no problem. There are some people that follow along the free stuff and learn a ton and never buy. In fact, a lot of people in third world countries. So, uh, I mean, a lot of Indians, especially just like, you know, the currency 70% weaker. And so they can't exactly afford something that, that I offer. Right. And so a lot of them get a lot of value just from all the free stuff too. I put out YouTube videos. You can type in how to copyright. I'm sure you'll find a million videos also. So that's all there. But so when someone doesn't buy from me, that, that doesn't really offend me or anything, but at some point they may want some help with something and they buy, or they reach out to me like this. So how did this uh, podcast get set up? Cause Tom follows me. Is that a wasted effort? I don't think so. And also the, the, the cost of carrying Tom as an email subscriber is essentially nothing for me, right? Well, it does cost money, 
um, in aggregate. But for the most part, adding one email subscriber over all these years costs very little. But look at the opportunity it's brought me right now. I've met people. Uh, I potentially grow my audience through your audience, all that kind of stuff. And so it's free content still does work. Also, I do sponsor some of the newsletters. So I get paid for sending out those newsletters too. Not all of them, but some of them. And so, uh, so Tom, while you may not have directly given me money, I've indirectly got something out of you uh, many times. And I think it's a quite a fair trade. I put out a bunch of stuff and I hope to get maybe 10% back. Um, yeah, well, I, I also pay it forward too because when when I do things uh, for Gold Spot Pens, which is the business I work for uh, full time, that it's most of it, most of the stuff that I do is completely free of like the YouTube videos, the stuff on social, the email, all of that stuff is free. So I'm like, I see Neville's doing it, he's able to work it. I'm like, that's I, I could do that too, and I just pay it forward. So I get I get people who call up. And they will talk to me and they'll say, you know, I really appreciate all your videos or whatever that that to me is just that's what brings the value. Like, it doesn't matter. Like they they could not buy a pen that day. They could buy a, like they say, you know, I, I was able to figure out something because I watched a quick tip video of yours and be able to fix what I needed to do. I'm like, that's great. You know, and then eventually at some point, maybe over the because it's it's the long game. It's about the the long mm -hmm. game and being out there for people for a long time and uh, maybe eventually, uh, like I I have I have been tempted. Trust me, you had the Black <laughs> Friday sale and I'm like looking at him like, this is the best deal it's going to be all year to be part of a membership for for the annual. And I'm like, uh, maybe it's like, well, I, I have the the kids really need Christmas presents and it's like, <laughs> no, like, yeah, also maybe sometime take... else. I have seen people in like the courses industry and it, it gets, sometimes gets a bad name. They will, they'll get old people on the phone and be like, well, how can you not afford this? This is so important. And they'll make them go into credit card debt and stuff to buy it. And I think that's just unethical too. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I'm, they're like, I can't afford it. I'm like, look, right now, I don't think this is going to just, uh, you're not gonna like take this and like all of a sudden become some millionaire or something like that if you got nothing going on, right? So maybe you should just consume the free stuff for now. So I tell people all the time, don't buy unless you can. I mean, that's silly. We really, what, so really what we want, instead of getting someone to, like you, people say like, I could sell ice to Eskimos. It's like, <laughs> why do you wanna sell ice to Eskimos? You're just scamming them, right? Like that's kind of what's happening. And so for me, I, we usually don't deal with newbie copywriters. We're generally dealing with businesses that already send out, already have an income, and they're already sending, they're sending out, let's say, to 5,000 email newsletter subscribers, and they come to us saying, like, what can we do to get our email newsletter selling? Because right now it doesn't. And so we'll change a couple of things. They'll make sales that pay for that course right away. Mm. So that's generally the people that we want in there that can actually return their investment 10x. If you give me a gotcha. dollar, I always try to make you $10 back. That's like my personal kind of like goal for I'll most people. It's not going to happen for every person, but right it'll happen. Yeah. I'll send you 10 bucks right now. <laughs> Shit. Hey, so, I mean, so now that you're familiar with what Tom does, have you received emails from Goldspot Pens or Ink Journal or anything material of his that you remember or recognize? I don't think I'm subscribed to Goldspot Pens, no. Okay. Because I, I have an idea. I mean, if you're into fountain pens, but I have a really fun idea right now. What's that? Let's take one of the Gold Spot newsletters right now. And let's. Oh, Tom, God. do you have any Gold Spot newsletters? Let's, do the, use, let's use the sharing app on Riverside. Tom, I want you to oh, throw up a Gold Spot. And I want to I want to see fun. Yeah, I want to see we, Neville. Do, do we have apart. time for this though? Do we have time? Please say no. Please say no. <laughs> we yeah, we have do this. This is, so this much time. 
Yeah. On the spot. Yeah, I want to see... I want to see how what he thinks of your Gold Spot newsletter because you write it all out, oh, and geez. if he has anything to say, if any, he might be like, "Wow, this is amazing. We don't need to say anything." Or he might be Do like, it. "Listen, you should quit your job." Give me a but second. But it's one or the Hold other. On. I'm just. I guess I have to bring this up here. Hold on one second. Do you publish them? Uh, Do you publish them to the web at all? Yes, I do. So I could. Uh, I could. I could. I could uh, I look that up. Let me see. Hold on one second. Let me go see, Tom. Well, is really actually, they're. He's really good at typing without looking, so that's why I have him look everything up. Oh, I can't do that. I'm the world's slowest typer. I no, no, no. I use two fingers. Oh, I, I can type without looking, but I make mistakes. All right, I'll, I'll I can type without I'll, looking. I just I use two fingers, which is hilarious. I just never. I'll share this properly. one. Hold on one second. Let me uh, do that here. I think this is a fun exercise that Tom could get something so, out of. This was a pen that was just launched today. This is the Navalor Year of the Tiger 2022 limited edition. Mm -hmm. So this is a this is an email that went out to folks that were interested who have previously bought Navalor pens or people who also are don't give generally, them the backstory. Like, don't give them. Well, the I'm backstory. just saying like the, the audience You're... that would generally go to it. That's right, that's but, what I'm saying. So, it's like. So, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a mistake right away. First of all, it looks good. Can you give me a quick scroll through it real quick? Just so I can sure, do a quick on. speed read of it real quick. Is it a... Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you can go. You can go quick shop now. Success stories, all that kind of stuff. Okay, okay, got it. So uh, I, I could already give you some advice over here. So it's a pretty okay. standard kind of newsletter type thing. First of all, it needs a headline. Tell me what's going on. So I'm looking at this pen over here. Um... Give me some good headline for this pen. What's catching about it? We don't have to really go deep into this pen specifically, but give me some good headline to put over here. Uh, let's see. Put your paws on this pen. I don't know. I'm just sure. Up well, but let, let's talk about this specific year. The tiger pen. Right. Named yeah, so. after dot, dot, dot. So the goal of copywriting is you write something and you want them to get to read the next thing. So maybe I would put mm -hmm. a headline at the top of why you are featuring this pen. It could be okay. like, my favorite pen of 2020, bar none, right? And then, okay. and then that, would get their head, that would get their attention to go, huh, what, what, what's so interesting about this pen? Another thing I would do is I run this swipe called swipefile.com. Without going into it, a swipe file is basically a collection of different uh, things you like, like marketing materials. And one of the things I like on SwipeFile, we have all these images where, see that image? That image is great, but here's the thing. It transmits very little information. I see a dead rose, a watch, a binder and this awesome pen, but it doesn't tell me anything about the pen. What if on this image, you had an arrow pointing to the cap and it said made of 100% mahogany wood, like in text. And then it okay. pointed to the, the, the tip and it said nub tip with fountain, whatever. And then at the bottom, it said something interesting about that. So right within that image alone, I would know all this information about that pen without degrading that beautiful image. And so, so already in the very top, I would add that headline and then a marked up image showing the different aspects of that pen. You can use software like Canva or anything for free to make these and it looks fantastic. So uh, scroll down a little bit to that other section. Here, give me a sec. Yeah, so for everybody I, I who's- newsletters all day, so yeah. I could, so for I everybody who is like. not watching, we're just looking at the Gold Spot newsletter on the Narwhal Year of the Tiger pen or Nar whatever, whatever they call it this week. <laughs> 
Yeah. And the other thing I would use is bullet points. So I think all the stats about the pen, much like you see something like an Amazon listing, it'll say the dimensions of the pen, what type of ink it takes, the, the size of the top, the size of the dimensions, all that stuff. That should okay. all be in like a little bullet point list. I think it's kind of spread out over here. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's in it's in paragraph form in uh in in these in this area that's that's over here. So that could be that could FM, be broken down B1, to bullets. Yeah. Exactly. So one point one millimeter stuff, that should just be a bullet point, right? Um mm -hmm. and then and then also I wonder it, you could even take it a step further, like one point one millimeter stub. Is there some significance to that? I, I don't know if there is. But let's say you're just like this is the standard that uh Hemingway used to write with or whatever. I don't know. Something uh, so interesting like, about related to something, yeah. Yeah. Also, you are selling things. You're selling fountain pens. I don't think anyone needs a fountain pen. These things are types of collectibles. These are people that are really, really into pens. So you're actually more telling a story more often than not. It's like a lot of art. There's no reason you need that art, but the story behind it is interesting. For example, let's say when was Picasso born? I I'm making the year, let's say the year 1800. I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The year 1800, Picasso, he's a poor, he's a poor painter. No one knows him. He draws this painting and he goes to a flea market and no one will even pay him 10 bucks for it, right? Then Picasso dies, the lore of Picasso gets bigger. There's museums about Picasso. Everyone knows what a Picasso is, but he's dead. So there's limited supplies. So that same painting that wouldn't even get sold for 10 bucks because it sucked is now worth <laughs> $150 million, right? So, so what is the difference? Nothing fundamentally changed about that painting. The only thing is that it's limited, that everyone knows about it, right? So there's other painters that have died, but their, their stuff is not popular. It's just that Picasso has this lore, and, and so many people want that thing that's so rare, and so many people want it that the price goes up. So similarly with collectibles, a lot of time it's about the story, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, Tom, I think, I don't know if you've read Joseph Sugarman's book, but he used to sell no, a lot of things that were collectibles. And what he did, he was selling these, uh, this one example he gave, these silver airplane tails. So like TWA, Pan Am, all these old school airlines, people would collect these. And what he would do is on your very first collection on the subscription, he would send you a box with 12 slots for all the different ones. And so you put the first one in there and now you're like, well, shit, I wanna collect all 12. So I'm gonna stay on the <laughs> subscription for all 12 months. And so he talks about like collectability is actually one of the triggers for people to buy. And mm -hmm. so for, I think for you, that would be interesting to look at some, uh, um, some of that Joe Sugarman stuff at some of oh, Almost like you could show, let's say the other styles of this particular model and then show this one at the same time, just being like, oh, well, here's the other styles that so it was available and to complete the collection. A, it's called exclusivity. So let's say how many of these pens are made? You said there's only 222 ti uh, Tiger pens significant right. for the year 2020. Well, you didn't even really, me you mentioned that, but it's, it's kind of small. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't shown. Is there a way you could show the production process that only 222 of these made? And, and, and 222 is an arbitrary number. Can you maybe back it up with something else? So comic book collectibles have done this really well over the years. There's a lot of different industries that have made collectibles where um, Lamborghini, Ferrari, they all do this. It's like you got number 27 of 333 and you're like, that's a weird number. And it's just like, it's kind of like a marketing gimmick. And mm -hmm. so I think you should, you should talk about those things a little bit more. So like the exclusivity part, that kind okay. of stuff. Um, the other thing is, I don't know if these collectibles go up in value ever, every once in a while. Um, I think I they do. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So I, if that's the case, you could talk about it. I'm, I'm not saying if it's not the case, then don't talk about it. 
So okay. those are all the things I would do for the text. Now let's go down to that very bottom part of this newsletter because there's something significant here. Okay. So I'm at the end of my journey. I walked into your little store and now you're selling me random mass travel notebooks. <laughs> this inks. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, and so I, I would implore you, like how many people have like read this pen thing and they're just like, let me buy a notebook out of the blue. I just don't think it's that common. And so I think with email, I would say you get one CTA call to action. And I would say okay. the CTA on this one should be about buying that pen. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so, so I think you're almost doing a disservice by saying, find a comfy nook and having like a little, little thing or carry ink on the go. I think these are things you can show on your website at checkout. Okay. I don't think you need to be using valuable real estate on your email for this. Uh, I don't think this, uh, these things right here, carry ink on the go, that kind of stuff. I don't think those are earning its pixels. They're, they're okay. just taking up valuable space. So I'm going to scroll down that email and go to the very bottom of it. Just scroll all the way down until you hit bedrock. Yep. And it's got a bunch of social channels. I already forgot about the pen. What about the 2022 pen? You know, what mm. if you just talked about that the whole time? And then when you, and then let's say every Friday or whenever you send out your regular newsletter, um, you, you can include all this, but I would, I would ask mm -hmm. or check the, the open rate or the click through rates on some of these other things, these shop now buttons. I wonder if they're yeah. almost being distracting and getting in the way and taking away from the main item on the menu yeah or or how about how about so instead of find a comfy nook and you're doing the the sturdy cases for your pens mm. why don't you talk about the the pen case that you use that you own seven thousand dollars worth of pens and you're not just going to be carrying these around all willy-nilly so just like people use a fancy watch holder you have a fancy pen case that's specifically made for your fountain pens the caps and your ink right and so i would make mm. a whole email about that rather than just being like oh yeah i'm gonna cram a bunch of shit in here right mm -hmm. and so uh that a lot of people will do this with their email letter there'll be a company and every department wants to put something in there and they say just put it put that in there put that in there put that in there and then the person reading it's like the hell's all this stuff what are we talking about i thought we were talking about a pen now i forgot now i exited right so i would if, if, I, if i'm trying to sell this 222 pen I'm keeping the whole email about that pen. I'm keeping the whole story on point. And at the very end, it's like, we've already sold 183 out of 222. You better get your hands on this now. Link, bam, then they go to the website. Remember, they cannot actually buy from your email, right? They physically have right. to go to your website to put a credit card PayPal in. And so you want them to be on your website for that. So your job for this email is to get them interested and then get them on that website to buy. So I think you're missing out on some valuable uh, real, real estate by keeping a lot of those things there. And I would really just harp on that 222 story about this pen and then get them to buy at the end. I have a question. Excellent. All that stuff is, sounds like excellent. And the first thing I want to point out is those are all very strong, strong suggestions. None of them are statements guaranteeing it's going to work, right? Because I know that there are people out there that will say, okay, thank you for that information. I'm going to do it. Hey, it didn't work, man. Right. Or, or it didn't do exactly as you promised. It's not, it's not an absolute solution, right? It's there. Well, it, you, the, the, the nature of the product is a pen. Everyone mm -hmm. on the planet knows what a pen is. Right. Almost everyone on the planet knows that a fountain pen is. And the people on your email list 
definitely know what a fountain well, is. Sure. Likely, yeah. So I, I don't think that this is like ambiguous, right? I'm mm-hmm. not saying this is like my copywriting course. It's a bit ambiguous of like, it's going to help me write better. And therefore I make more money. Like I, mm-hmm. you can see why that's a big jump, right? So if I say, I guarantee you 10 X, then uh, that's a pretty bold statement for you. You're saying a pen will show up at your door. This pen will show up at your door. And I, I think it's a pretty guaranteed statement. So for this product, I don't think you have to really guarantee anything necessarily. Mm. Okay, so my other question was, and this was just an idea based on listening to your suggestions. Out of the 222 pens that are available worldwide, Tom's store is only getting what? How many, Tom? Uh, 40, I believe. Okay, so 40. Would it be a good picture to throw up there just to, since this is going out and he hasn't sold any yet, just to show all 40 to say, these are what we have. One of them is yours. Once they're gone, they're gone. Or is that just showing too many pens? Is that too much of a grab? No, it could be. You could do a you could do a small graphic where it's like represented, like two hundred twenty two pens, and the ones that are highlighted are the Tom Store ones mm-hmm. that you have, right? Mm-hmm. And that you've already and that of those you've already sold like nine of them or something. That's interesting. That's a good way for exclusivity. The other thing you could actually put the other thing that would work really well, and I'm part of this company called AppSumo, so I know this works quite well, is you have a countdown date to when you're going to stop selling them. So maybe on nine twenty, like September 22nd, 2022, you stop selling these or something along those lines. That could mm. also be, that's when the sale is going to end because the Chinese Zodiac year of the tiger ends on whatever date, right? right. That's something interesting, right? That make, that's, that's more fun. That's, that gives people a hard deadline that you're in or you're out. And if you're out, that's fine, but like, you're not gonna get the pen after that. Right. Hey, Tom, can you send me one of these pens? First of all, no. I mean, we're going to have to green. talk. Why would you want it? I don't care because it's gorgeous. But also we need to talk about how they were able to manufacture the portholes instead of just an ink window. We'll do that later when Neville's not here because I'm sure Neville doesn't mm-hmm. care. That's, but that's, that's, go- that's gorgeous. Yeah, resin. yeah that's see, a- it, you have to you have to know your audience. So a lot of times if you're trying to sell to the CEO of a company, they don't really care about the tech stuff. But then you sell to the CTO, who's usually some Indian guy with glasses. He's totally interested in all the PHP code behind it. But the, the, the CEO doesn't care, right? So you have to know you have to know your audience. So if your audience cares about all that technical stuff, like they're really into this, and I watched some of your videos before this podcast, I mean, y'all are going real deep into the technical stuff of this. Then they will enjoy that. That that mm-hmm. is the right audience. So yeah, totally mm-hmm. talk about that stuff if that's what people like. But I do think that selling part of this is selling the story of this, like that's limited. Um, I think there's exclusivity there. There's limited amount. There's certain uh, significance for the year of the tiger. So maybe someone who's born in the year of the tiger will have a more of an emotional attachment to this pen. There's all sorts of different ways that you can harp on here to, to sell what uh, this, I would call this an art piece. I, I definitely yeah. think that Frank, the owner of Narwhal slash Navalar needs Neville services. So let me just give you some background story of this. All right, Neville. There's a brand, there's a young guy, 21 years old, started his own pen company. His name is Frank, really nice guy. Always wears a suit. Doesn't matter if you're meeting him for coffee and donuts or dinner. He just, he always shows respect for you by dressing nice and you know what I mean? He's a businessman, does a lot for for what he is at 21. He called the company Narwhal based on the fish, Narwhal. Mm -hmm. A couple of years later, he changed it to this monstrosity of a name, Navalor, N-A-H-V-A-L-U-R. Then he goes around to say, hey, the new name is Novelor, but we're still going to call it Narwhal, even though the new name is Novelor. So even in this 
the press material, he has to call it his new name, Navalor, but in parentheses puts Narwhal. So it's a whole confusing well, mess. I, you know what's interesting? So I don't care about that. You know what I care about? That there's that? this guy named Frank that always wears a suit, and he's a kooky character. This is right. how you sell art, by, by these weirdo artists, right? It's like, a, like that Salvador Dali picture where he's walking anteaters in Manhattan or Paris or something like that. <laughs> it's just like, and he's got the funny mustache, and he always looks like this. It's like, that's like his jig. That's, that's right. his gig, right? That, that, that's his hook. And so I do think that like artists should be weird and they're kind of usually like sort of eccentric people and you need to hand that up. You, that, that is part of it, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that the artist is this guy and he always wears a suit and like he, he, he goes to a funeral, he wears a suit and he goes to the cafeteria, he wears a suit. It's weird, right? Right. Like, I think that's, that's something like that's more interesting and that this dude has zero business sense. Uh, he's, he's changing his name from Nautilus to Narwhal or whatever the hell. And, but he makes damn good pens, right? Right. That, that's that's the hook it's like the soup nazi on seinfeld it's like he's really mean and he's a huge asshole but man that soup is so good that you just gotta go or right. i think it's like more like it's it's like prince because prince was had gone through several rebrands of his name but yet people love him because he just made some awesome music and had his own very unique super over-the-top style that just it just it just created that connection doesn't matter what he went by he was an icon in himself yeah well, also it's the marketing stunt it's a smart marketing move when you rebrand everyone's like what he's calling himself prince what now he's on the mm-hmm. top page of the new york times because he just literally renamed himself right and then he made himself a symbol so obviously it was like a weird thing so people are like he's naming himself a symbol and everyone's like how do you even say it and bam everyone's talking about prince brilliant <laughs> Yeah, you know what's funny? That's why he's the top. I, I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit because, one, I'm the type of person who is very just – I am who I am all the time, right? So it doesn't matter what I do for a living. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm just who I am all the time, and people think that I'm really weird. Now, the fountain pen community, <laughs> the community that I invest in and that I care about and that I'm doing all the social media for, they're typically – I'm not saying all of them, but they're typically smarter than me more refined than me. I'm just a dumb locker room jock who just does shit for fun because I enjoy it. Yet I still have a following. And I think it's because of that very same thing that you're talking about. People appreciate quirkiness. People appreciate authenticity. People appreciate who people are. And that makes it more interesting than the actual name of the product, like the narwhal guy, right? Like Frank. If you met him, you're right. Everything you said about him is right. He's quirky. And I make fun of him all the time. Almost on every other episode, I make fun of him. I don't dislike him. I like the guy. I like his pens. But I make fun of him all the time. Because you're right. He has no business sense. He's quirky. It's an interesting story of an artist who makes great pens. Yeah, it, it's more it's more interesting than just like, here's a guy who made a pen. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's, it's just, it's not, it's not as interesting. You, you are selling art pieces. Mm-hmm. And, and artists are quirky and you can talk about that. That's part of the appeal. That's part of the thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think you, there's a lot of things you could do with that newsletter. And here's the thing. I, all the su- suggestions I made are not that hard. I'd say the hardest ones are just making the images. And even with all the modern stuff like Canva, I mean, the stuff takes like five seconds. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do Photoshop all the time, minute. so it's easy. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I, I'm talking about writing text and putting an arrow to something or just a line. 
that, you know, we're not, we're not talking about hardcore photo editing here. Yeah. In fact, I do all these markups within the, the email software I use. I don't even leave the software. I just do mm. it in their little editor. And so, so you could totally do those things and then just like adding a headline, telling the story. See, the, the reason copywriting course is usually so valuable for someone who even takes it for a little while is because once you learn what I just told you, right? I just gave you a review of your newsletter. You can do this for every edition of this newsletter for infinity now, right? And so if you sell 10% better through email, what impact does that have on your business, right? And so that, that's the value of learning how to do copywriting. Like you're never going to forget that lesson. Or maybe you're going to eliminate those bottom things and say, we'll just make a separate email about those next time. We'll spend our efforts right. there. And, or let's say you do a really, really good job on this 222 pen and you sell all of them out after this one email or one email and a reminder that it's about to close. If, if that's the case, that's what the value of copywriting is in learning these psychological hacks. Mm. So before we sign off, because we got to start closing this up, do you often see yourself physically writing with a pen to paper? Um, I write on my physical to-do list every single day. So here's my oh. Wednesdays thing. I haven't filled it fully out yet because I haven't finished my other one for today. <laughs> so would you be open to the idea of receiving a fountain pen and a notebook from sure. courtesy sure, of perfect. myself and Tom just of to course, get you on? Awesome. Yeah, just to get you on the fountain pen because we want to – I listen, we're not going to sell you – we're not trying to sell you anything because you're going to see right through that shit. But <laughs> we can give you something just as a thank you for being a guest on the show. And also, since you're not into fountain pens, maybe this will open up a new hobby for you. And maybe we can talk about it in the future again and see how it went, see if you liked Let's it. Try. See. I used to be really into fountain pens um, as a kid. I even took calligraphy classes. I asked my mom to take calligraphy classes. Oh, wow. So awesome. I, knew, I knew all about fountain pens. I think now, just for practicality's sake, I don't normally use them. And I, oh, geez, I, I hate to show you. Roller balls, I know, I know. My favorite ones are these deep. <laughs> These hey, listen, zebras, I used to love these things. You, so, so, so them. actually, can you show me that pen? The zebra? Yeah. Now put it in the trash. <laughs> just, just go ahead and put that in the trash. I have so many of them. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get you set up with, change uh, my, change my mind. Change, I yeah. See I this. think that yeah. we can change your mind and I think the product will speak for itself. And I think we're going to get you infected with what I coined the term of, and I stopped using it as of twenty twenty. Prior, prior to yes, prior to the pandemic, yes. this is what the term prior to the pandemic I coined this term the fountain pen virus. Okay, I stopped using it <laughs> after mid twenty twenty just because it seemed like it was in poor taste. But I want to get you infected with the fountain pen virus, so we're going to work on sending you a care package. Uh, Tom will handle the logistics and stuff I'm like totally that. Down. So, yeah. Totally down. So, and while he's doing that, he's going to send me one of those Tiger 222 pens by Nar Normal. <laughs> right? See, now you kind of want it. Now that I started talking about it, you yeah. kind of want well, it. Well, every time we talk about pens, I ask him for something. But he doesn't yeah. Yeah, always. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be out of a job. He'd be fired. Karen would be like, why are you giving Roy every single pen we have? And, uh, and uh, But, you know, I'm going to leave it to Tom because Tom has excellent taste and he's going to send you a care package. I want to say... This has been such an entertaining and enjoyable and learning episode of the podcast. I think that Absolutely. everybody, even though it wasn't really fountain pen oriented or anything like that, I think that this was a very interesting conversation. And I would love to have you back on in the future just to see, just for follow-up, just to follow up with Tom to see how his page has, has grown or changed and for you to give follow-up feedback as 
You know what I mean? And also for you to give us follow-up feedback on what you think of fountain pens. Totally. I loved it. I love the impromptu screen sharing thing. That was fun. I normally like podcasts where they do some sort of screen sharing because a lot of our stuff is like visual based. Yeah. It's easy if we can just show you. Right. And so, yeah, that was that was pretty fun. Good, mm. good impromptu thing with that. Yeah. That, this, that's the magic of this software. It's it's really handy. Riverside FM is really great. When they don't, yeah. yeah. When they don't fuck the shit up, then it's really awesome. But they fucked up. And <laughs> when they, they don't lose really, your recording. Oh, <laughs> my God. Two times. I, I wanted to strangle somebody with piano wire. And I, I love the piano. I wouldn't ruin a piano to do it. But for that, I was ready to do it. But anyway, nice. I digress. Listen, Neville, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us pleasure, on behalf Neville. of myself, on behalf of Tom and all the listeners. Thank you, Tom. Your, your turn to thank him. Oh, thank you, Neville. Thank you You're for like, joining Would you want to thank plug you. your various – I mean, we have yes. been plugging, but did you want to like just – just share yeah, where Charles, you could be found like, how online. To, how to follow along the journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Tom, for reaching out and everything. Roy, for having me, everyone. Uh, you can go to copywritingcourse.com. I have the thing called copywritingcourse.com slash newsletter. That is the newsletter that Tom is referring to. It's called the Swipes email. You can just be on that forever if you want. It's pretty fun. And then also, if you need any help with what the, we've been talking about, you go to copywritingcourse.com slash join and join the copywriting course. We have monthly options, yearly options, all that kind of stuff. Or if you need someone in your company to join, do that. And then uh, last thing, follow me on Twitter, maybe. Uh, Twitter.com slash NevMed. It's pretty fun. Like Neville Medora. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. that's, how they, cool. that's how they can find you. Do you have an Instagram or anything? I do. It's Neville under dash Medora, but it's mainly like a personal one. I don't really share a lot of business stuff on there. Okay. All righty. So yeah. primary is just the website, the Twitter. Yeah. And from the website, you'll find everything. There's also YouTube.com slash copywriting with a K, and you'll find my uh, YouTube channel. Okay. YouTube, yeah, website, and Twitter. Okay, well, listen, once again, thank you very much for listening. And to all you inky savages out there, once again, thanks for joining us. Love you guys. Be well. Be safe. Stay inky.